This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. What you don't know is what I've been going through for the past couple of days. I had to get the last podcast out a day late, all because uh, I, I try to post on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but I went to uh, post my uh, new podcast, uh, the part two of Matthew chapter 20, and the drive that I have all my podcast notes on, all my videos, all my MP3s, everything, that jump drive would not open. Somehow or another, it became corrupt and it would not open. I spent a lot of time in prayer. I spent a lot of time laying my hands on that jump drive. I spent a hundred bucks and I spent all night long working on that sucker. And I was able to uh, retrieve just about everything. Uh, well, I did get everything that I needed um, off that jump drive. And so I was able to get to my notes and I was able to post the second part of Matthew chapter 20. So if you haven't seen that yet, go back and, and listen to that and, and watch that uh, podcast. Um, but uh, I'm able to, praise God, uh, be able to bring you Matthew 21. But you talking about panic mode. Ooh, man, that was one of the best $100 I ever spent. And and it, even though it took a lot of time to retrieve it and, and to... to uh, uh, gather all that back together. I, I've got it, and I've got it saved two or three different places now. So, if I lose it in one spot, I have it in another. And you know, I should have been doing that the whole time. But hey, I'm I'm a trusting person, and I should know better than to trust technology. But uh, hey, it is what it is, and and everything's taken care of. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for being able to present Matthew 21 to this audience and thank you audience for uh, listening and watching on YouTube and sharing the Grinded Podcast because when you share the Grinded Podcast you're sharing Jesus with other people. Uh, today we're going to start Matthew 21 and I want to start off just by asking you a question. What would you do different if you knew that you were going to be dead by next Friday? And I'm recording this on a Friday. But what, what would you do different if you knew that you would be dead within a week? Would you do anything different at all? Would you change some stuff? Would you try to maybe right some wrongs? Um, would you tell your friends and, and your family how much you love them and, and, and how much they mean to you? Would you tell them that more often? Uh, would would, would, or would you live life to the fullest and, and, and try to pull off as much as you can off, off the bucket list? Well, in Matthew 21, it's the turning point for the disciples and the crowds, but not Jesus. And the reason why I say that is because Jesus knew his time was coming. He has always known his purpose ever since he was a young boy. You know, it, uh, was it Luke chapter 2 or Luke, maybe Luke chapter 2, 3 or 4, where uh, Jesus' family goes to Jerusalem, and as they come back, they realize, Mary and Joseph realize that Jesus is not with them, 
and they've done journey for three days. So they had to make a three-day journey back to Jerusalem, and they find Jesus in the temple, and he's talking to the religious leaders. Why? Because when Mary says, "What are you doing? You you had you know you have a scared." To death, and, and Jesus says, don't you know I must be about my father's business? Talking about God the Father. You know, Joseph was not his dad. He was his earthly dad. He helped raise Jesus, but God the Father birthed Jesus through the Virgin Mary. And Jesus is God in the flesh. And he knew his mission. He knew God the Father's will the whole time. And, and that will... The mission of God the Father was for Jesus to die as a human being in the place for our sins. That he would pay the price, the penalty that would reconcile us back to God. That would make us friends again with God. And Jesus has known this the whole time. And in the past few chapters of Matthew, Jesus has been telling his disciples that he was going to be betrayed. That he was going to die and be buried, but he would be uh raised again on the third day but they just refused to listen and when they did listen they rejected everything that he said and argued with him hey we're not going to let this happen and we'll even die with you they even though peter made those proclamations they all agreed with peter you know and that's when jesus the first time that was that was said uh the, that this is not going to happen, Jesus looked at Peter's face, eyeball to eyeball, and said, get behind me, Satan, which means opposition. In other words, Peter, right now you're against God the Father's will. This is God the Father's will that I go to the cross, that I be betrayed, that I, I that I be uh, betrayed into the hands of these uh, religious people and, and, and go through this mock trial and, and die on a cross and, and be buried for three days and, and to come out of the tomb. And this is what he has tried to tell them over and over and over again. Peter even, he even tries to fight the mob there in the Garden of Gethsemane when they come to arrest Jesus. They, they just try to thwart God the Father's plans. And that's when, you know, Peter uh, cut off Malchus, the servant of the high priest's ear, and Jesus reaches down, I'm sure blood gushing everywhere, flowing everywhere, because if you ever had a, a wound on your head, it just the blood just flows like crazy, like a fountain. And so Jesus would reach down and put Malchus's ear back on and attach it, and he's completely healed there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and Jesus says, Peter, put away your sword, dude. Th this this is happening whether you want it to or not. Matter of fact, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster ever crows. I will never deny you. And what happens? Peter denies him three times. So why would the disciples disagree with Jesus and try their very best to thwart the plan of, of God? It's because they did not understand Jesus' mission. They never denied that Jesus was the Messiah, right? The one that the Jews have been looking for for hundreds of years. That the, all these prophets have prophesied about the Messiah. Jesus claims that he's the Messiah. And, and, and they fully understood that. They, 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 real, they never questioned him being the Messiah. Because as we've been studying for over three years, they've seen him do miracle after miracle. They've heard his teachings. It is with a greater authority than what the religious teachers have been teaching because they would teach in the name of Moses. Moses said this, Moses said that in the law. 
And Jesus comes along and says, hey, Moses said this, but now I, I say to you this. And so th- they've heard all that. And, and they've even taken part in going into villages and, and, and telling people that the kingdom of God is here. And, and they've been given the power uh, to work miracles and, and, and to cast out demons. So their problem, it wasn't that Jesus was the Messiah. The, the, their in their proclamation of that, their problem was that they had a misconception about who the Messiah is and what he would be doing. Because the disciples, along with many other people, they thought that the Messiah was going to be a great military leader who would lead them back into power and he would lead them out of this Roman oppression. And not only did the disciples think this, but the crowds, just Crowds upon crowds, thousands of people would flock to Jesus and follow him from from place to place. They too thought that the Messiah was going to bring Israel, Jerusalem, back into power and and that he would sit on the throne of David and and reign and bring all this power and authority back to the Jews and that these Romans were going to be kicked out of their region. And, And they were misled. They had a misconception. That's why when Jesus fed the 5,000, which was really 10 to 15,000, because it didn't count women and children, it just counted the men, and there was 5,000 men. But that crowd, when Jesus fed them with the two fish and the five loaves of bread, they, they followed Jesus to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and when they found him, they tried to make him a king by force. Why? Because they did not understand the mission of the Messiah. But Jesus did. The disciples and all the people that are around the region, they're so pumped, they're so excited because their Messiah has arrived. And and now here he is, he's coming into Jerusalem to take care of business, right? You know, they're thinking, we're fixing to kick some butt. And, and they're, they're, they're about to get the shock of their lives is really what's about to happen because of their misconception of the mission of the Messiah. Jesus is going to enter into Jerusalem on a certain mission, but his mission, as I said a while ago, at the beginning was his mission was to die and become the king of kings. And he's going to sit on a heavenly throne at the right hand of the Father and not an earthly throne. As Jesus tells Pilate in the interview, and we'll get to this later on uh, in a later podcast, Jesus says his kingdom to Pilate is not of this world. And so these crowds that followed Jesus with so much excitement, right? Uh, and we're going to see here in just a second, when he's coming into Jerusalem, they're taking off their clothes, and, and, and they're going and cutting palm tree branches off and they're they're laying their clothes on the ground and these palm branches on the ground so that the the donkey that jesus is going to be riding uh does not step on dirt they it has uh clothing or these palm branches to walk on they're so excited but many of them will soon by the end of the week be screaming crucify him crucify him why Why would they turn on Jesus so easily and so quickly? It's because of their misconception of the Messiah. And they're going to be persuaded by these religious leaders that Jesus is not the Messiah and that he's actually a blasphemer. 
And so Jesus, he's traveled through Jericho, and, and, and we left off uh, in chapter 20 where when Jesus was walking through Jericho and he comes, uh, just before he comes out of Jericho, he, 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 there's two blind men that are yelling at him and they want to be healed. Jesus goes over, spends a little time with them, heals them, and those two blind men, they follow Jesus. And so now he's, he's left Jericho and he's coming into Jerusalem. And here's how Matthew 21 starts out. And we call this the triumphal entry in verses 1 through 11. It says, And Jesus, as the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said, and as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately uh, let you take them. This took the place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded, and they brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. And most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Praise God in the highest heaven! And the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, my first thought after reading this passage, Matthew 21, 1-11, about the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, is this. I want to talk to that person who was in charge of this donkey in this donkey's coat. Think about it. How, how did they know to have that ready? Because as far as I know, we're never told in, in the Bible of this person and how they knew that some men were going to come along to get this donkey and its colt. And, and, and if they were to have some interaction, these two men were going to say, hey, the Lord needs it. And the owner would not even question it. He would just let the donkey and the colt go with these two men. Somehow, the owner of this donkey's colt knew that his animal, or animals, the donkey and his, and his colt, were going to be used by the Lord. And, and to me, this is just, it's just fascinating. That God was able to provide this donkey and this colt. But how, how did this happen? I, I just want to know, and I can't wait to get to heaven to find out. That's one of the things that I'm going to ask along with many others. But one thing I want to point out that I think is really cool about, about this passage, about this, this donkey and its colt, is that Jesus rode the young donkey, the colt, and it has never been ridden before. Um, and if you've ever seen anybody break a horse, I mean, it's crazy uh, because uh, it, it's a wild animal. And a wild animal is just that. It, it's, it's wild. It's never been broken before. It's never been ridden. When somebody tries to ride an animal that's never been broken, uh, th that animal gets violent. And, and the person doing the breaking, it, it gets tossed around and, and, and thrown off the animal. And, and many times people get hurt. I, I don't see how they do it, really. I, I couldn't take the beating. 
because the animal it just goes nuts. It's jumping and it's kicking and and it's jerking around and turning circles like something crazy. But yet, when Jesus sat on this young donkey, this colt, this 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 donkey's colt that had never been ridden on, this colt remained absolutely calm, even in the middle of a crowd. A crowd of hundreds, possibly thousands, and they're shouting. And, and, and this young donkey, this colt that has never been ridden, it stayed calm the whole time. It was just peaceful as it went right on with the crowd through the procession, taking Jesus into Jerusalem. Why is that? Well, here's what I believe. I believe that that donkey knew who was on his back, the Prince of Peace. But a question that comes to mind is, why would a king, the king of kings, choose a donkey and not a horse? Why would Jesus, the king of kings, choose a donkey instead of this massive, strong stallion of a horse. And so I, I got to thinking, has there ever been a king, the man of highest royalty, has there ever been a king to ride a donkey instead of a horse, a big strong stallion, if you will? And the answer is yes, and I'll get to that in just a second. But one of the reasons why Jesus chose a donkey was to fulfill a prophecy from the prophet Zechariah in chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, where Zechariah says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. That's Jerusalem. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Now, that's the reason why Jesus rode a donkey. I don't know how that donkey got there. I don't know how that donkey's colt got there. I don't know how that, that person who owned those animals knew to have those animals there and, and ready and to let the Messiah ride them. But God provided. And the prophecy was fulfilled. And so, uh, I did what most people would do. Since we have... Uh, easy access to the internet and Google. I googled, did any king ride on a donkey? And I actually discovered there's been several. Um, because, and, and this is what I've learned by uh, reading about this. A king rode horses into battle. But if they were coming in peace, they rode a donkey. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. <laughs> Even though he, he was coming in peace, he... Uh, he was crucified by the end of the week. In 1 Kings uh, chapter 1, one of David's sons named Adonah, let me see if I can, Adonijah, I think that's how you pronounce that, probably butchered it really bad, but Adonijah, because it's spelled like Adonai, Adonijah had decided to make himself king because David was old and he's sick and he's dying and, and they knew they needed a replacement. So Adonijah, Adonijah, goodness gracious, Adonijah decided he's going to make himself king. That's hard to say. 
and he invited all kinds of people to a feast and he he makes all kinds of sacrifices and he gets the backing of the people and he's thinking hey i'm gonna be king here i'm gonna be ruling over all these people in jerusalem i'm gonna take my father's place in power uh, and the only problem with adonijah uh, being king was that there were three key people that he didn't invite to his party and those three those three people are nathan the prophet uh benaiah or the king's bodyguard and his brother Solomon. As this party was going on, Nathan the prophet goes to Bathsheba. Bathsheba, if you remember Bathsheba, that was Uriah's wife, Uriah the Hittite, and who David uh, committed adultery with and had a child that died. She is the mother of Solomon. And if you look in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, you would see this that she is listed in the genealogy of Jesus. So Nathan the prophet, the same Nathan the prophet, the one that chastised David and told him that he was in sin, that he needed to repent, that Nathan the prophet, he goes to Bathsheba and he tells her what's going on with Adonijah and what he's doing. And he says, he says Bathsheba, this is what you need to do. So you can read that in 1 Kings chapter 1 for yourself. But the long story short, she goes and she tells David what's happening. Like I said a while ago, David's very old. He's sick. He's dying. He's basically on his deathbed. Uh, if you read the story, uh, they go find a virgin girl to come and, and, and take care of David uh, and, and, and as he's laying there dying. I don't know why one of his wives couldn't have done that, like Bathsheba or, or Michael or whoever. But they go and get a virgin girl, a uh, young virgin girl, to come and take care of this old man. And so, anyway... She goes, Bathsheba goes and she tells David uh, what's going on with Adonijah and what he's doing with this, at this party and he's going to make himself king. And so David announces from his deathbed that Solomon is going to be the new king to take his throne. Now, I say all of that to say this. When Solomon was pronounced king, on the day that he was recognized as king of Israel, and all the people saw this going on. When, when Solomon was pronounced king, guess what he rode? He rode a donkey. That's right. Solomon, David's son, he rode a donkey through Jerusalem and was pronounced the king of Israel. And all the people were in on Solomon. And Adonijah um, thought he was going to die. And uh, Solomon winds up telling Adonijah, look, if you try to rebel, you're going to die. But if you you know if you can be peaceful, get along, and do you know what you're supposed to do, you can live. So when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, the people would be. I mean, the Jews absolutely 100% had so much respect for David. They they knew David's history. They knew uh, they knew all about David. They would know all about Solomon, their kings. They knew their history well. It was very important to them. And so when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, the Jews would be very familiar with this story. And they knew what it meant for Jesus to come riding into Jerusalem on this donkey. Because he is a king. Even though they thought that he was going to be a, a, a king of an earthly kingdom, and that he was coming in peace. 
they had a misconception, but they, they knew that Jesus was the Messiah because he's doing all these healings. He's brought so much hope to these people. He's done so many great things. He's been teaching. Everybody knew who Jesus was by this time. Probably most everybody anyway. And they knew when they saw Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding in on a donkey, they knew what that meant. They would be familiar with Zechariah's prophecy. They would be uh, familiar with Solomon coming uh, and riding through Jerusalem on a donkey. So they knew what was going on. So I want to point out something um, from, from 1 Kings 1, 38 through 40. Uh, listen to what happens when Solomon was anointed king over Israel. And he's going to come riding in on that donkey. It says, So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah son of Jehoiada, and the king's bodyguard took Solomon down to Gihon Spring. And I'm probably butchering all these names. With Solomon riding on King David's own mule. And there Zadok the priest took the flask of olive oil in the sacred tent and anointed Solomon with the oil. Now watch this. So he's anointed as king and he's been riding on, he's riding on this donkey, right? And they sounded the ram's horn, which would be like a trumpet made out of a ram's horn. And all the people shouted, long live King Solomon. Now listen to verse 40. And all the people followed Solomon into Jerusalem. He's riding on a donkey. And all these people, they follow Solomon into Jerusalem. And they're playing flutes. And they're shouting for joy. And the celebration was so joyous and noisy that the earth shook with the sound. That's how excited the people are. And does that sound familiar? What we just read in Matthew 21, 1 through 11? Because it sounds almost exactly what happened when Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on that donkey. I'll just read just a little piece of it once again. They brought the donkey and the colt to Jesus and they threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it. And most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and the others cut branches off from the trees and spread them on the road. And Jesus was in the center of the procession. All these people are just going crazy. And the people are all around him. They're shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. And the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth in Galilee. I mean, it, it sounds like a scene that just comes straight from a movie. Jesus, the king, comes into town. He's riding on this donkey. He's the center of attention, which means there's this crowd that's surrounding him, and he's in the center of it, and they're taking off their clothes, and they're laying them down on the ground for the donkey to walk on some. Uh, we're cutting off branches from the palm trees, and they're, and they're laying these branches down for the donkey to walk on instead of their clothes. And as Jesus is coming into town, uh, the crowd is shouting praises to God. And, uh, and the, what they're shouting comes from Psalm 118, 25, and 26, and Psalm 148, verse 1. And so naturally, this crowd that's doing all this shouting, and, and I'm sure they've got instruments playing, and they've got all, you know, the ground. Uh, well, that was in Sol uh, Solomon's case, but it was probably the same way. But it, it, it was such a ruckus that it gets a whole lot of people's attention. And it says, uh, Matthew says that the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as Jesus entered. And they said, who is this? And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So as Jesus comes riding in on this colt of a donkey that symbolizes peace, uh, 
He goes straight to the temple and <laughs> he doesn't bring peace. He wreaks havoc. And the religious leaders, they, they, they've made a, a, a money-making scheme at the temple. They knew that the people would have to come there to make sacrifices. So, you know, hey, why not make some money off this? Just sell the, the, the animals that were, gonna, that were qualified to be sacrificed. So it's kind of like a convenience store at the temple. Don't worry about bringing your own animal. We've got everything that you need right here for a low, low price. And Jesus says, look, I ain't having none of this. This is my father's house, and, and, and you're making it a den of thieves. And so he, he uh, actually runs the people out of there. And, and after he does that, he chases all those people out. People start coming in who, to the temple to see Jesus who need a healing. And Jesus heals these blind people and these lame people there at the temple. And Matthew records this about the religious leaders as Jesus was healing these people and talking to these people at the temple in verses 15 through 17. Matthew records this. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. And you would think they would be excited and be happy, but no. They were indignant, Matthew says. And they asked Jesus, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus says, Yeah, I sure do. Uh, haven't you ever read the scriptures? For they say you have taught children and infants to give you praise. And then Jesus returns to Bethany where he stays overnight. So not only were the adults praising God for Jesus, but so are the children. And these religious leaders, they, they were not going to have, they, they didn't have anything to do with this. Nope, they're going to put an end to this. And so uh, they complain. And because of their hard hearts, Jesus comes back on them with the word of God in Psalm 8, verse 2. That's what he used against them. And they would know exactly what he was saying. And so Jesus, basically, he shuts them down once again, as he's done many times before. And so after spending some time in the temple, giving hope to the hopeless and blessing some children, Jesus heads back to Bethany, where he's going to stay with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, uh, for the night and he's going to return to jerusalem in the morning so i want to end the podcast with this when i started the podcast for matthew 21 i asked the question what would you do different if you knew that you only had a week to live well we know what jesus did jesus did the exact thing that he's always been doing ever since he started his ministry from the time that john the baptizer baptized him in the jordan river and he handpicked his 12 disciples. And from that moment on, he started showing mercy and grace and compassion. And he took time for other people. And he blessed them. He healed them. He cast out demons. He opened blind eyes. He, he did all this stuff to give hope to the hopeless. And it's no different. With the last week of his life, the cross is less than a week away that horrific pain that he's going to be suffering on the cross and even before the cross. Jesus never focused on that. He focused on other people. What an awesome guy Jesus is. And you know what? We're called to be just like him.
If, we, if we've been washing the blood of Jesus Christ and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, that means we have Jesus living inside of us. And we are supposed to be the hands and the feet of Jesus everywhere we go. Are we doing that? Are we showing hope to the hopeless or are we ignoring them? Are we, are we giving them this blessed hope that we have that our sins are forgiven? Are theirs? Are they on their way to heaven? We don't know if we don't talk to them. If we just ignore them, then what, what chance do they have? That's why Paul says, how can they hear without a preacher? they got to hear the message of the gospel. And if you're too scared to do that, share this podcast with them. Because they're going to hear all about Jesus. All they have to do is just go back and listen. I've already covered John, and I've covered Luke, and now we're almost done with Matthew. So that's three of the gospels that talk all about Jesus. But we have to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And as we're coming up on Easter here in just a week, I'm begging you, be Jesus. When you go to work tomorrow, be Jesus. When, when you go to the grocery store, be Jesus. When you go to the department store, be Jesus. When you go to the hardware store, be Jesus. When you go to the gas station, be Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We'll finish up Matthew 21 in the next podcast. Have a great day. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grinded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.